Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Good morning to you on what is what looks like shaping up to be a rather mild day for this time of year. That cold spell seems to be behind us. Thank God. John Paul's taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Interested in your thoughts, please, on the Children's Hospital and the overrun at the National Children's Hospital. It really is jaw-dropping and staggering and is this you'd hate to think but you'd have a funny feeling in saying that is this project jinxed I mean we have been promised this children's hospital for so long when it first got mooted many years ago children that were born when we first started talking about the children's hospital will no longer be children when the hospital eventually opens Uh, and now the news that the government are saying they're going to have to get out and fundraise they're going to have to look to generous businesses and I'm I don't know how far the fundraising will go. Will it come down to uh, families who who have used children's hospitals in the past or will will need to use the children's hospital in the future? Will they be asking family members to do a little bit of uh, fundraising? And there's talk now of €130 million they're going to have to fundraise in order to put towards the cost now. They're estimating now about €1.7 billion. And Department of Health officials yesterday was saying 130 million of the 450 million overrun in the construction will come from philanthropic uh, sources. So they will be looking for the generosity of big businesses and wealthy people to come on board and give them a little bit of a dig out. It was originally thought that they, when they would go out and fundraise and ask for some generous contributions, they'd originally thought, look, we'll look for about 20 million. If we can get 20 million by way of fundraising and charitable donations, we'll be doing well that 20 million now has gone to 130 million and when you take a look at the spiralling construction costs of the National Children's Hospital it started out in 2017 and the figure that was quoted was under 1 billion euro just under 1 billion it was 983 million euro still a lot of money but everyone was told look state of the art hospital this is what we need this is what our children deserve and everyone was thinking well it's going to be expensive job get the job done and get this hospital up and running so that we were looking at 1 billion just under 1 billion euro and that was in April of 2017 let me roll you on to November of last year November of 2018 so 
year and four months, year and five months later, that cost had gone to 1.4 billion. So 0.4 billion. So over 400,000 euro of of them saying, sorry, we got it wrong. That's how much extra we need. And now there's revised targets. They're saying, actually, sorry, we got that figure wrong. It could go as high as 1.7 billion euro. When the construction cost of 1.4 billion is added to the 300 million non-capital funds that are needed. Now, the non-capital funds are for things like IT that's what's bringing this figure up to 1.7 billion. Again, I can't believe when they were originally uh, totting it all up to work out how much this hospital was going to cost, that nobody thought we would need IT in a hospital of this size and the IT bill ain't cheap. It's 300 million euro. And then around 80 million will need to be collected from charitable sources for the research and the education centre. And that's going to be separate to the 130 million that I mentioned that they're going to go and look for charity donations for the actual building costs uh, of it. And of course, because now there's overspend, the exchequer has to come up with the money. The money comes from a pot that isn't bottomless, unfortunately. So the Oireachtas Health Committee yesterday was saying, OK, we're going to have to find the extra money for the hospital and it means we're going to have to take it from somewhere else. So how, what's the knock-on effect of that? They emerged yesterday that extra beds that had been earmarked for two of our own hospitals here, the University Hospital in up the road in Limerick and the Cork University Hospital, which when you think about it are two of the hospitals that are worst hit by the trolley crisis. Whenever we are talking about large numbers on trolleys, inevitably our own Cork University Hospital and our neighbouring hospital in Limerick are the two that are always, always in the top three, four or five hospitals with the numbers of people on trolley trolleys. So extra beds have been earmarked for them. The Oireachtas Health Committee are saying yesterday, sorry, the money that we had set aside for those beds will now instead have to go to the Children's Hospital uh, instead, and the Oireachtas Health Committee say they may also there will also be delays in uh, other capital funding because they'll have to give it to the Children's Hospital instead. I mean, the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar admitted in the Dáil that the extra cat lab for Waterford which we've seen people out on the streets protesting in Waterford about the need for the extra cat lab, that and an MRI scanner which was promised in Mullingar, that may also now have to be put on the back burner. So, how did we get to this situation? How did we go from 1 billion euro to 1.7 billion euro? How could you be that much off the mark? What have the government decided to do? They've decided we need an external review. We need to get consultants in there to examine how the cost of the new hospital spiralled to what is now a co- to what to what now has gone from under a billion to 1.7 billion. But the cost of that external review is €450,000, so nearly a half a million. Now, I, I'm asking the question, Is that will that be money well spent? Do we need to get to the bottom? Do we need to learn lessons? And if the lesson costs €450,000, then it's money well spent. The idea being that if we learn from this so that it will never happen again, or do we ever learn? Do we ever learn? I mean, will will this review come out and we'll all get to hear and they'll point the finger of blame and you can be guaranteed it'll be civil servants, no heads will roll uh, over it. But we'll all, you know, 
they go, oh, this is awful and they'll be hand-wringing and how was that allowed to happen and at least now we've got to the bottom of it and then that report will put away and we'll move on. But that report comes with this bill of €450,000. So I'm asking the question, is that money well spent or do we just literally draw a line under it and move on and say, look, mistakes were made, let's just move on and get on with it and get this hospital built. Um, Somebody's asking, when is the hospital scheduled to be built? They're now saying that the hospital is scheduled to be completed in 2022 and then to be opened for open to patients in 2023. If my memory serves me right, when we first started talking about the National Children's Hospital, it was due to be open in 2016. I get that double checked but I'm nearly sure it's meant to be opened in 2016 but the new date now completed for 2022 open to patients in 2023 doesn't say when in 2023 it'll probably be December it'll probably be the, the end of the month so we're looking at 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 five more years before the hospital will open so teenagers that are 13 will be adults by the time uh, the hospital uh, opens. And once again, it is the taxpayers who will pick up the bill. Um, but it's the impact that it's going to have, the knock-on impact it's going to have on other patients when you look at will be down beds. We won't get those extra beds uh, here in Cork. The good people of Waterford who have been screaming for their extra cat lab doesn't look like they're going to get that. The people in Mullingar won't get their uh, MRI scanner and uh, the University Hospital in Limerick will continue to have huge numbers on trolleys because they won't get the extra uh, beds and children will still have to wait before they can get into this hospital. 1850 Your thoughts and comments welcomed on this debacle please. Also coming up on the programme this morning uh, worrying photographs of substantial damage done to the Fermoy Weir. Now the Fermoy Weir is a protected structure. It's over 200 years in existence. It's a spectacular uh, structure and we certainly on this programme have done a number of interviews on the campaign to save the weir. People living locally realise maintenance and repairs needs to be done I don't actually know when the last substantial repairs was done uh, to the weir. Certainly not, not, I'm nearly 30 years doing this programme and I certainly don't remember any substantial works uh, being done on the weir. But the weir is literally washing away in front of people's eyes and there was a relatively small enough flood on the river this week and it has done substantial damage. So we're going to talk about that on the programme uh, today. And then for Fermoy, we're going to go to Skibbereen where there's a little bit of good news for residents and local people who are against a project to build a plastics factory in Skibbereen. Planning permission was granted to this plastics factory and local people who were against the factory from day one, they set up a campaign and they had to get fundraising and everything in order to cover the costs of a High Court judicial review. They got word this week that they have been granted a High Court judicial review. So we'll find out what that means for the uh, campaign. Also going to hear about the need for a special unit in West Cork for victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. Now this is separate to what we spoke about a couple of weeks ago when we spoke about the need for a safe house. There's no safe house in West Cork and when you look at the size of West Cork if 
a woman mainly, it's mainly women who need to do that escape to get out of a house where there has been a lot of domestic violence, sometimes trying to escape in the middle of the night uh, with children. And when they reach out and decide, I've had enough, I need to get out, I need to get out with my children to discover then that there are no safe houses anywhere in the West Cork uh, area. This is a separate issue, this special unit that's also needed. So we'll chat about that on the programme today. A member of Angartha Siakona will join us for this week's uh, Crime File. And we are also going to hook up with the West Cork Animal Welfare Project. They took in a, a dog called Rebel just at the start of the new year who was in an atrocious condition. Now I was actually away on holidays John Paul was telling me he was doing the, the show at the time when we spoke about this dog uh, Rebel and John Paul tells me that the pictures were so bad uh, we took the decision not to put them up on our Facebook page and I was on the West Cork Animal Welfare Group page yesterday and I was scrolling down through uh, and um, they have a warning on the photographs and actually I couldn't even I couldn't click on the link I actually because I've seen photographs of Rebel the dog now that she's in recovery uh, and even those the photographs with the stitches in the back of her neck were bad enough that I said oh, I, I can't I actually can't look at it I just find it really difficult to look at a poor animal in that kind of a condition but anyway we've had a number of people asking what was the update on Rebel it's a good news story it's a good news story so we'll close the programme later on today with that good news and an update on uh, Rebel today Tony was on our comment line and was angry about traffic delays in Bandon with the work that's going on there that's prompted Richard in the city to say Bandon people were crying for years about flooding in their town ta- every time they had heavy rain. Now work is underway and they're crying about traffic. Let's not forget the, the bypass. Try living in the city with all the traffic. Get over it says Richard in the city. If you live in the city you'll be caught in traffic jams every single day of the week. And a resident of Bolster Terrace in Mallow has been on to us is wondering if any other residents are having problems with their drains. This resident informs us that his drains are blocked with mud and silt is what he's describing it as. Uh, now he says Irish water are working, or were working in the area. Sorry, isn't he? It's a, a lady, sorry, a lady resident. My apologies. Uh, so the lady contacted Irish water to say the work you were doing would that have caused mud and silt to end up in my drains now Irish Water say look we'll take a look at the problem but she doesn't know is it just her house or or have other residents particularly in the Bolster Terrace area of Mallow following Irish Water doing some work in the area have you noticed that your drains are blocked or is literally is it just in her house 1850 let me go to some of your comments coming in on the children's hospital and the overrun of the children's hospital and it's now gone to they're expecting a cost of 1.7 billion and would probably my sneaking suspicion tells me it might go just up a little bit more as well because if you're building if we're going to be building it over the next five years uh, there's bound to be other costs that will increase I mean inflation and you know construction inflation seems to be going up every year so do we assume that it could even go higher anyway Dan says hi Patricia on the Children's Hospital what amazes me is that people are amazed that there has been an overrun. Just think about it. We we're given the worst run health service in Europe with the longest waiting lists in the developed world, a free hand to build what will be the most expensive children's 
hospital in the world and we're building it in the most expensive part of the country where there is a total disconnect with the reality of real life. The mistake was made on day one. It should have been built independent of the HSC and located in the centre of the country where costs and prices would have been more moderate and access would not be an issue for anyone outside of the M50. Nothing will change until the HSC is disbanded. That's from uh, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Hi, Patricia, says Mary, with regard to the investigation into the children's hospital overspend. Does the word tribunal ring a bell? Lots uh, lots Lots of investigations costing lots of money. And guess what? Nobody will be held to account. It is the same old story, says Mary. While Michael in Castletown Bear says, Patricia, the Children's Hospital contract, I would question the shenanigans of the BAM construction company. Remember that the ink wasn't dry on the contract for the job in the port of Cork when they were looking for an extra 12 million euro, which they claimed was due to a computing mistake. They apparently go in lower than low to secure the contract and then come up with all kinds of errors, which... And in this case, they're talking about the cables, for example. They are a subsidiary of a Dutch firm, BAM. This contract should be halted immediately and subjected to an investigation. Well, I heard yesterday that that's not going to happen, that if we had to go back to square one, we would you that 1.7 million the cost would just go on and on and on so whatever has happened has happened and we just have to learn from it in the hope that it will never happen again and we will learn from it but we're going to learn from it at a cost of 450,000 euro which to me is a lot of money Conor McCroom says Patricia regarding the children's hospital a disgraceful overrun there's three reviews going on into this overrun. Have we not a controller, an auditor, auditor general that oversees spending? Is she, he or she gone AWOL? And that's from Connor in McCroom. And Jim says, Patricia, plain and simple, we need a new party to vote for. Uh, Jim isn't happy with any of the government, par- either the government parties or the parties in opposition. We need a new party. John Paul takes your calls, 1850-333-103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Laura Gelga, RC103. Bugger Albert Einstein, Aaron Kaharu Lodeg, Demina Morta, Ockjeg Shakdune, it all Sigermon. To Kluogis Caller Einstein, Mar Physicure, Gahorah, Nobarinishi, Aaron Kahramod, E. Kahramla, MC Kernaha. Dos Albert and Ace in Winnick, Augustrasus, Aaron Ulka Zur. Bugger Albert, Composto, Norvishi, Kuglin Dish, Augustbat, Aaron Composto, Sprag Einstein. And start area in over Magnetis and Downugs and Spots. Ruig Einstein on Douche Noble and Physic, Sibling Nade Fehahane. Darera Dalrug, the on Sim A Galbert Secure. August Morocco Rebshe in a Physicure, Crad Einstein Gamokshe in a Kyotor. For Albert Einstein, Boss Erin, Shock Du Laudeg, the Mirron Nade Quake Kuig. Le Blur Gwilga is Nisha Emmage Bruno, Will Skultamost of Ishmala. CK'd Asa 3 Kirkig. This is the Court Today replay on C103.
Now the Save for Moy Weir Facebook page yesterday put up photographs and videos of what has been described as substantial damage to the weir after what was a small flood this week. Chris O'Donovan of the Formoy Wheelie Boat joins me and in just a moment I'll be joined by uh, local uh, County Councillor Frank O'Flynn but Chris joins me first. Uh, good morning to you Chris. Good morning Patricia. Good morning, I, I suppose outline as best you can without the visuals the damage that's been done this week to the weir. Well, it's fairly extensive down to the lower end of the weir outside the guards, the guard, the guard station here in Formoy. Um Now, what's no, we won't exactly see the complete damage until the water drops a bit, but there's thousands of gallons of water going through the the, 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 the break that was just above it during the summertime. Uh, you're talking about thousands of gallons of uh, water going through per second, and that was uh, confirmed to me by the OPW last summer. So th- therefore, the, the water above the weir was so low. What's going to happen now is that the extra damage is going to actually make the water above the weir again even lower this summer. It's, 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 you know, we have to wait and see, but it's going to be a, an awful lot lower, and it's really, really bad damage. The weir now is, is, is crumbling and and actually disappearing. Before your eyes, literally looking at the photographs. Yeah, no, we're only we're only halfway through January, and we didn't have any major floods yeah. as such. Yeah, I mean so, that was a small enough flood. The that other was day, small enough, but but the, the part of the weir that collapsed. Was badly weakened prior to the the, the, um, the building, the, the building of the of the flood plan right down to that that area. There was a lot of work done down there, a lot of pile driving, and it's only about twenty feet from from the new wall along the quay. So the pile driving that was carried out there uh, a few years back really, really weakened that structure. As as we advised and and and, and we complained about all the time, and even a small flood now just took away the car, the, the capping went, and the underneath it was gone as well. Uh, so it's really, really bad. It's, it's just just to remind listeners, uh, Chris, this weir is over two hundred years old. It's a protected structure. Just to remind listeners why it's so important to the town. Well, well the importance, first of all, it, it, the historical aspect and the beauty of it. But secondly, you have you have the, the people that use the waterway above it, and a habitat that's been evolving for nearly eight hundred years above the weir, and. Um, it's really, really important to the rowing club, to the wheelie boys, to the anglers, uh, to the whole environment. It's really, really important. And it's suffering enough now um, in the last two or three years. We just need a move on on this, you know. When was the last serious repair done on that weir? Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, you can catch me off guard with that, but... Uh, in the last 20 years, there's been a few sandbags put in, and that's about it, you know. Yeah, there's, I, I certainly can't remember, and I'm nearly 30 years doing the show, talking about very serious uh, uh, work, all, all, which, which, is, which is needed. All I can say is that there's been an awful lot of money spent on the survey and others, this, just the planning, this, all the different... Um, and the reports. And reports and surveys, etc. There's been uh. hundreds of thousands of euros wasted since back in 2004, right up to now. And this, uh, it's all down to funding, isn't it? Uh, the reason yeah. why why the work hasn't... OK, stay, stay, stay there. Let me bring in... I have, uh, I have an update too, Trisha, on, on, yeah. on, on regard funding going into the government before Frank comes on now. OK. Uh, um, the Cork County Council have submitted their costings to the government Yeah. before Christmas, as being advised by the minister. Now, the thing is that after leaving one step out again, you can, costings can't be done unless there's planning. So nobody's seen these plans. So the, the, again, they're putting the cart before the horse. But we're well used to Cork County Council and the way they operate since back in 2002. 
So they're, they're playing they're playing a game. So Europe can't find them. So because they're doing something about her all the time, but at the, at the same time, there's nothing being done. Okay, let me bring in Frank O'Flynn to to answer that and to let us know what's happening. Good morning to you, Frank. Uh, good morning, Frank. Uh, this uh, is the, these are very worrying uh, photographs. This is a gorgeous beautiful historical structure that we need to be looking after and we certainly need to be looking after it for future generations what's going on from because it's it's up to the county council well, they're responsible aware. for main, main, the maintenance I'm, I'm, I'm very very well aware of it I thought myself this evening because I got, I got phone calls and I checked it out and I, and I looked at it and I was straight on the Cock County Council the biggest problem here this is a listed building or a listed uh, structure um, and so Cock County Council just can't move in tomorrow morning the biggest challenge I suppose uh, in repair uh, to this is actually in repairing the wear and putting in the fish pass uh, is, is um, you could say sourcing funding to do it because Cock County Council do not have that kind of money. The other thing is we are dealing with um, taxpayers' money and, we ha- and anything you do now that you have to cross the T's and dot the I's. Everyone knows that. We see what happened in relation to other whether it's in Cork or whether it's in Dublin. So now we are taking this very, very serious and Cock County Council at the moment we had numerous meetings with Cock County Council and um, we met Chris, we had the Minister down he says um, we were told at one stage it was not a matter of funding. It is a matter of funding, but I'll tell you exactly where we are in Cock County Council at the moment. Cock County Council have applied to, to the department for assistance uh, for funding. Uh, that is in order for, uh, to retain consultants to uh, put in place a planning process and a design for the reinstatement of the wear and fish pass. Now, we've also sought funding from the department for the overall cost of the wear, uh, which would be something in the region of 1.57 million. But dare, no. but dare I say, Frank, is it going to, is, even if you get the money, is it going to come too late? Well, we can move in tomorrow morning. Um, I would say we are late, and I've said it on a couple of occasions, is it should have been done when um, Lagan were doing the overall uh, flood alleviation plans in Formoy. I've said that on numerous occasions. Cock County Council weren't involved at Central Formoy Town Council. For whatever reasons, they, they, they took a decision that they didn't go ahead with it. We've seen exactly what happened in Bandon, uh, listeners and Patricia and Chris, uh, where Cock County Council were involved. The flood alleviation plans that are doing, being going ahead at the moment in Bandon also incorporated the fish pass. And so both went ahead. We should have done both together. No, that's why. Yeah, but that's the yeah, that you yeah, the yeah pardon the pun, but it is water on the bridge. But I mean, it's it's nearly it's nearly ten. It'll be ten years this year since the EU got involved, saying yeah. saying that um, that they would back the repair of the weir. I mean, has anybody looked to Europe for the money? We have not just, not just uh, we have been in contact in contact with Europe. Our our department officials and our engineering section, Cork County Council, have been in touch with Europe. I've no doubt some of the funding in the day will come from Europe. But just let the listeners know there is an application with the department at the moment because it's going to cost about three to four hundred thousand alone to do to do the planning process. Now we did do some preliminary works during the summer, which was uh, very advantageous because when the river was low, these works had to be done. These are site preliminary investigations. In, in other words, check, uh, check out the condition and the physical structure of the weir. Um, these works have been completed. You can, you, can near, you can nearly look at it, Frank, and know that it's it's we, it's we wasting know. away in, in front of your eyes. Right. Uh, somebody again is is is, uh, and, and you've kind of answered. it with somebody saying, "How come that the the weir wasn't fixed when the new uh, f- when the flood relief work was uh, we, done?" We, we could not go into the river because on, on because of the the fact that there's um, a list uh, a listed structure. Also, because IFI refused us, we had numerous problems even when we had full planning below in Bendon because IFI that's Inland Fisheries Ireland. Inland Fisheries. Okay. 
Ireland. Let me bring Chris back in. Chris, are you taking any comfort from listening to Councillor Frank O'Flynn? Uh, no, no. I, I've heard this fiddle which has been played for the last 15 years. Um, they're just kicking the can down the road here, buying more time because they don't have money. Uh, and it's as simple as that. They were told by the minister there is money available. I was there. Paul Cavanagh was there at the rowing club. They were told there's money available. So all they have to do is do basically what the people want and do what they're told and do it correctly. And not to be, no, he's, talk, he's just talking about the stuff that being done on the wear during the summertime. I actually took photographs of the guys. It was at Murphy's, they're based in London, Dublin, Cork, and, and whatever. They, they actually done, they carried out the survey. No, they'll have to do another one again this year because the wear has deteriorated further since they've done this one. So they have to do another one. So that's another way of the taxpayers' money. And it's going to go on and on and on until the wear disappears. Okay, Frank, Frank, Chris believes the money is there. Well, well, it is grand, um, it is grand to say there's money there, but uh, anyone can say there's money there. We, 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 I'd love to get that copy of that letter that Chris got to say there was money there. I want to say that the, the works that were carried out during the summer were carried out when the, the, the water levels were very low. It was preliminary, it was necessary. And I can also say, can I can reassure Chris, that I was talking actually yesterday evening to our county engineer, and he said to me, Frank, the existing works that are done uh, will suffice for any future planning application. He has actually been in touch. I asked him to get in touch with the department. He was on to, uh, on to him yesterday. He can see that the planning process will be put in place very, very shortly. When the minister makes the funding available, and now just to let people know here, we're not going to put it all over anyone's eyes, the overall cost of repairing the weir and the fish ladder comes to 1.3 million. A new fish pass, uh, which, uh, which IFI says is necessary, will come to 1.7 million. That'll a total cost of 3 million. Now, we in Cork County Council, we, we, we have looked forward. We've actually acquired the land that is necessary for the new fish pass. We've also got the right to it. So that will not be a problem. What we have to do at the moment is, and I'll be waiting for... Is the money for the fish pass there? Because we've been talking about the fish pass for a couple of years now. I know, I know. And uh, we, we have acquired land. If, if, if I are insisting a new fish pass be, is to be put in place, at the moment, we, we can repair the weir, we can repair the fish ladder for 1.3 million. A new fish pass uh, will cost 1.7 million. That's a total of three million. Would Cock County Council have acquired land if the new fish pass is to go in? We've actually all the preliminary works done it. We have the land. We have the preliminary survey done in the way. There will not be need for another one. So we've applied to the, uh, the, the Department of Environment for assistance in that. Um, um, the Cock County Council have actually been in touch with me at my request. At the next meeting, I'll be raised, but I'll, 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 I'll look for a future, re- a progress report on it. And I'm going to push this. There's one thing I've, I've taken it on board. We made mistakes in the past. It have been very easy and very cheap uh, when the, the um, lagging construction did a beautiful job in the flood alleviation plan for my... It should have been done then. That's what we did. We weren't in control just for my town council. Well, that, well, that was a mistake council. that was made. Because from, from migrating salmon, uh, Chris, this is an environmental calamity, isn't it? Absolutely. But, but I mean, IFI has acknowledged that our, our, our last meeting, Frank was there and so was the ministers. Uh, and local TDs as well, including Kevin O'Keefe. Um, they, they acknowledge that they, they know there was slaughter of salmon at the way on the last couple of summers. And it, it's going to be worse again this year now. You know? oh, that's um, really hard. That's and really and hard for, for fishermen to watch. Oh, yeah. I just like Patricia, I fully support. Listen, the, the Weir and the Blackwater for my is the biggest printer for my in our car for God. It is a beautiful river which we, which we claim water our strength. It is the biggest drive, I could say, as far as tourism. I'd love for Ireland, but throughout the world, 
and Europe. There's something we have to get it right, and we are going to get it right, and I'm going to push this okay. through and through and through, and okay. I'm going to see it through the end. All right, and Declan in Bandon says the fish pass in Bandon, which many were concerned about now, looks very well uh, in the centre of town. Uh, wishing good luck to everybody in Formoy. And is in Formoy says, how long is this going on? Why can't they just sort it out? Why, why every time there's a public conversation, everybody says this says the money is there but we have to wait for this and we have to wait for that just get on with the work if we lose the wear in Formoy we're losing part of our heritage and this is bound to have a knock-on effect for tourism that's some Liz in Formoy Chris we leave it there no doubt we will return Thanks to this topic much. again Thanks, uh, and thank you uh, for joining us Frank just while I have you on the line uh, I'm told there was some uh, good news for Colostan Quivin with their extension news yesterday with the Minister for Joe McHugh down in my this is something I've looked for numerous meetings and there was two public meetings in my they said one thing was get the Minister down to my he came down to my yesterday and I welcome this time off from his very busy schedule with very very good news works should start is in four to six weeks and they should be completed by the end of July early August so because uh, we had a big problem for my 165 pupils applied to, for the new school year in September 2019 there was only 125 granted, so it was 41 or 42. So the good news for all the students out there, and also for the parents, is that all those students will be taken in on the 1st of September. He's given us a cask guarantee yesterday in my on three different occasions that the school will be opened for the new school year. There's also good news for the existing pupils, because I saw it on numerous occasions. The crowding there is unbelievable. Yeah. They're using the old Grail School at the moment. It doesn't lend itself to the proper education of the children, along with the, with the teachers as well. I want to give great credit, I think, both the teachers are there, the board, the management, and the parents' association, and everyone. And at, at, at the end of the day, we see light at the end of the tunnel. I want to thank the Minister for his commitment. But the one thing is, it's like the houses recently that we opened, and five years will I will believe it when I see the keys handed over to the acting principal that's there at the moment. And I look forward to this. There's a good news story. And I went to say that many, many parents, one of them rang me last week, absolutely broke down the phone. My daughter wants to go to Fumai. She, that was, that, that, she's finished her school. Whereas now they can take it easy. They can study for their exams. And I look forward to this school being opened for all the new pupils, including the existing yeah. pupils. It's, ha- it's heartbreaking if, if a child is trying to go into a particular school and, and can't, particularly when all the friends are, are, are going there. Because you, the, okay. a company that was doing it, Salmon Brothers, they about They went out of business. Yeah. Another one in yeah. Milton, which went into liquidation. And again, we had a major problem with funding. We had to do research. We had to, we had to win first aid for the listeners. We had to get a evaluation on how much work was done an evaluation on how much work had to be done and then we had to get evaluation on what would it cost and at each stage we had to go to public tender because any project in this country at the moment because of EU law that's over 25,000 you have to put it out to public tender throughout all Europe you just can't go in and say you do it No, but we we, 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 I was just earlier talking about the children's hospital and the overrun there we we have to look at how we're doing these these tenders and and how the tenders have been handed out we we can't keep continuing doing what we're doing Patricia, I said recently, I said in Cock County Council, with health and safety and all the different, if there's someone drowning tomorrow morning inside the black water and needs help, you'll nearly have to get a a forum signed, who do you ask, what do you do, what I would do, jump in and save the person. In this case, you could have a fire tomorrow morning, or health and safety, you can't do this and you can't do that. Health and safety has brought this country to its knees, and also a lot all these new regulations. We see shops closing, we see butcher shops and all we, we have a little green grocers here in uh, Mallow yes, that's that, been open for oh, 55 years closes on Saturday because of building regulations recently Crazy. I was in Italy inside in a certain village and I walked down through it and there there was there was hems 
There was meat hanging outside in the street in the open air and temperatures 18, uh, 16, 17, 80 degrees as if it is very warm here in this country. Yeah, I wouldn't be allowed to do that here. This country here has got Health and safety would be down on top of you. And we all remember the old quality of the products that with the potatoes, with the bacon, with the cabbage and there was no fridges, no freezers, not, and not when anyone was tight. We are gone absolutely crazy in relation to health and safety and all these new regulations just pushing people out. I was actually at a meeting last night, 450 farmers in Cotton Mart. There's a regulation, regulation, regulation. A farmer now is nearly 20, 90, 99% of his time filling up farms when he should be outside walking, looking after the animals, uh, saving the hay, saving the, the, the silage, feeding them, making sure to, uh, to look after. 99% of the time when farmers say it's taken up now, there's paperwork after paperwork after paperwork. We're blocked. There's more reports now taking up more time and, and it's a gathering dust inside the shelves. This country is absolutely crazy. And there's, there's reports. reports upon reports about reports and she will have a report on that report as well, which is one of the reasons why the external review into the hospital overrun is going to cost 450,000 euro. Yeah, yeah. One thing I would say, reassure the listeners, I'm not going to leave the situation relation to the way I'm going to follow okay. this through. Right. And I was on to the Cock County Council yesterday, I'll be back on to begin today, and I went to reassure the people of my and the fishermen and the quality of that. That's the biggest tourist um, asset that we have in all of Ireland, if not in my and Alcock. Okay, and we don't want in future years they'll be reading about it in history books and, and, and it'll have disappeared. Make sure that we, we, that okay. we get that way off of Fight the good fight, Frank. Thank you for that. Thank and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is Councillor Frank O'Flynn. And also on the line was uh, Chris O'Donovan, who is with the Formoy Wheelie boat about that unfortunately substantial damage uh, done to the weir after what was a very small flood this week. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. This Friday, the annual C103 GAA Sports Star of the Year Awards take place at the Rochestown Park Hotel. On Friday from 7 to 8, join me, Rory Burke, live from the Rochestown Park Hotel. I'll be chatting to some of the monthly award winners and sampling some of the atmosphere ahead of the announcement of the overall winner. The C103 GA Sports Star of the Year Awards with the Rochester Park Hotel live on C103 from 7 p.m. this Friday. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. The Save Our Skibbereen campaign, which is opposing the planning permission given for a plastics factory in the town, has been granted leave in the High Court in Dublin this week for a judicial review of the decision. SOS Committee member Brendan McCarthy joins me. Good morning to you, Brendan. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, now, while the war isn't over. This is a small battle won. Explain what this means to the campaign. Absolutely, yeah. Um, when I was talking to you last there, early mid-December, after just getting the decision from Borpinala to go along with the council's decision and go against their own inspector's recommendation, um, this was the next um, door open for us, was to immediately set about formally looking for a judicial review. And as I said at that public meeting, which is six weeks ago today, um, it's a two-stage process. The first is the barrister on our behalf goes in and makes pleadings. <clears throat> it's questioning, questioning the law and the legal decision of Unborn and All. And now it's not so much to do with the planning application as to do with the decision of Unborn and And we, and they said at the start, our solicitors and barristers were confident that we had grounds for judicial review. And thankfully on Monday of this week, that happened in the High Court on Monday morning. Um, 
and we were granted by the judge. So it's great, yeah, at the start. That was Blue Monday of our day. Uh, it was a good day. Uh, but going, Brendan, going to the High Court is is costly. You've Absolutely, had to go out yeah. and fundraise and you've really got a good reaction on this. An amazing reaction. And I was just thinking about it there now before I talked to you. Six weeks, as I said, since that public meeting and we put a call out for fundraising. Um, take into account that you're two weeks of a Christmas period yeah. in the middle of that and in six weeks we now have over 26,000 raised. That's incredible. That's uh, That really response. that really but is incredible. It's so amazing, just but at the same time it's very bad that we have to be taking yeah. money out of the community. Yeah, yeah that's, that's money that could be spent decision. on charitable, charitable events. Yeah. Okay, so where, where from here, Brendan? Where from here is that we're back in court um, just like generally about seven weeks. This is all new to me and okay. new to all of us. But about seven weeks, papers will be served in the meantime on the on, on board Penal and stuff. And it'll be adjourned, adjourned. We don't exactly know exactly a time frame or a cost frame um, into the future, but that'll all become clearer in the next few weeks, kind of thing, once, you know, they receive our documents and stuff like that. Um, but it, like... Ongoing is a fundraising campaign, and it just shows as well. Like I know it's bad to be taking that money out of the community for things that it shouldn't be taken out for, but it shows too that the community is fully behind SOS and fully does not want this factory to come to Skibreen in 2019 or 2020 or anything. And just to remind listeners, the plan for this factory is to make beadlets or nurdles, as they're called. Nurdles, yeah. yeah they're, it, it, the they're the building blocks for plastic, isn't that yeah, the best way are, to describe yeah. them? Like tiny little pellets. Like as someone said, you put 500 of them in an egg cup to yeah. give you an idea of their size. And they'll be brought in from abroad. The company told us that themselves. They'll be added to with different makeup, chemicals, heavy metals, different stuff. And all of the information we've been putting out there since day one has been from the planning application of the company. We're not making any of this up and do you know if anyone was accusing us of scaremongering and stuff like that, it's not. We're like I've been very conscious not to say anything that we couldn't stand over. Um it'll be cut back heated, it's thermoplastic compounding, so it'll be heated, cut back into these pellets and sent back out up the same road through the same narrow streets. The N seventy one is fairly nightmarish at the moment with yeah. road work and everything on it. Um but you know, it just doesn't make any sense for if I was the company, why would I build it in Skibreen in West Cork at the, at the wrong side of Skibreen? Just, you know, you have to go through so many towns to get to that place on the Wild Atlantic Way. If the pellets are coming in from abroad, why build it so far from a port or anywhere else? Have you, have, has SOS and the committee, have you met with the owners uh, daily products? I know they're an Irish branch of an American company, RTP. Have you sat yeah. with them and voiced your concerns? The original 39 people and groups that had submissions against the planning application at Cork County Council stage, um, we were all invited to meet with the company and their planners and agents and consultants on the 13th of December 2017 um, in the Ludgate building in Skibreen. So we did meet with them. A gang of us went in together and met with them. Um, but that was too late. Like, you know, the, the council signed off on the decision six days later on the 19th of December. We, that was the first question we said to them. Why, why are you meeting us now? Why didn't you meet us before? Ah, well, you could have you know, voiced your concerns. Last yeah. stage might have been able to answer concerns. Okay. Some of them at, at that stage. Um, but just going forward, we have loads of other fundraisers and there's loads of different people and it's not just Skibreen that are organising fundraisers. Someone had a, uh, in Baltimore had a sing-along in our house for three Saturday nights which <laughs> made €1,300. Euros and people are great. Nice people are great. Events. 
Yeah. And we had one event, if I can mention, on Saturday evening in Skibreen, Claudia Kinman, she's a very famous Irish um, historian in terms of old furniture and antique furniture, and she's doing a talk in Skibreen in the West Cork on Saturday evening next at 6.30. And I will stop you there because I'm, go- I'm yeah. going to talk with Claudia tomorrow about that oh, particular brilliant. event because it, it intrigued me what she's going to be discussing. Yeah. So we'll talk about it tomorrow. Events, the better. So All right. Listen, we'll we'll talk again, um, Brendan. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is Brendan McCarthy, one of the committee members for Save Our Skibbereen. A small battle won in what is uh, going to be a lengthy war, I feel, for the good people of Skibbereen. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Listeners saying any news on why Little in Mallow is closed? Uh, we didn't hear anything in advance of it, of it uh, closing down. Leave it with us and we'll see if we can get an answer for you as to why it has uh, closed or why it's closed at the moment. Uh, Heidi says, morning Patricia, I heard you speaking about shops and businesses closing because either high rents, building regulations, planning laws and let's not forget that a lot of businesses close because of insurance costs as well. If it keeps going the way it's going, no one will ever want to open up a new business. The so-called people that hold people's dreams of setting up new businesses should be aware of their actions. And we're going to get to the stage where we'll all just be shopping online and that'll be it. We won't be, there'll be no corner shop to go to, there'll be no place to. And then of course, shopping online is fine, but if at 11 o'clock at night you run out of milk, you can't shop online. Um, you always there will always be a need for the local services and that human touch it was the one thing that came through yesterday when we were talking with Liam Sheehan about the closure of the, of the Green Grocers in Mallow on Saturday because of building regulations the one thing that very much came through from the comments we received from people it's that human touch that when you go into a small family run business or the small corner shop and I would add in your local post office there's a human element to it. People go in there, you know, every single week. They get to know the staff. The staff get to know the people. And there's a little bit of a chat and a little bit of just somebody, human contact. And, you know, as somebody yesterday put it in a comment that came in that for an older person, say an older person living on their own, when they head out and they go to those small shops, it might be the only person that they will speak to that day. And that's not taken away from supermarkets. Some of our supermarkets have wonderful staff working there. But more and more of the supermarkets now are pushing us to go for the self-service checkouts. Just just trying to get away from, you know, the self-service checkout isn't going to say, good morning, having a nice day, the weather, what's the weather like? We're always great to talk about the weather. You know, just how are you doing today? Like no self-service checkout. We'll ask you that. Okay, they'll probably say thank you for shopping with us at the end of the day. Please take your groceries and would you move on? Because somebody behind needs to use your machine. So that human contact and it will be will be a much sadder society, I think, if we completely get rid of all of that human contact. We've been talking about the Children's Hospital on the programme today. Tim says, where were the quantity surveyors? when they were deciding how much this hospital was going to cost. They there they were some there were some other sites mentioned before this site got the go ahead. Yes, you're right. Was the cost deliberately written down? Is it the National Children's Hospital or is the Dublin Dublin Children's Hospital, said Tim? Well there was huge arguments as to where the hospital should be cited. It was one of the reasons initially, I think, for the delay 
because the arguments went on as to where the hospital uh, should be and the nightmare was going to be for those of us coming up from the country that would need to access God forbid you'd ever need to access the National Children's Hospital but if you end up in the future with a sick child and this hospital is built there was all the complications of how you were going to get there where were you going to park what was traffic going to be like that's as somebody said you know why didn't they go with building it somewhere in the middle of the country where you wouldn't have all of the traffic backup that you have in Dublin but I suppose all of these major hospitals like this if you look around the world best practice says that they're built in the capital city and that's where the bulk of the it's where the bulk of the population live and it's where they have access to all of the medical specialties that they need uh, but yeah there, you are right there was a lot of arguments Tim at the time as to where the hospital was actually going to be uh, placed here's something completely different <laughs> See if we can offer advice to this listener. Morning, Patricia. I'd like to get advice, please. My mother has lived in Ireland continuously since 1964, so over 50 years. Worked as a nurse in Irish hospitals, married an Irish man, had four Irish children, has indeed fostered for the Irish state for over 20 years. Now, she's since divorced and she recently applied for an Irish passport. Even though she'd been living in this country since 1964, she'd always used her British passport. But with all the fears about Brexit, she said, mm, no, I'll get myself an Irish passport as a lot of people in England are doing at the moment, let alone people, English people that are living here in Ireland. Anyway, she applied thinking there'd be no problem at all to be told, sorry, you're not entitled to an Irish passport because she's divorced and therefore is not an Irish citizen. Could that be right? She was told she could pay, she could get one but it would cost her €1,200 to get it. Would anybody be able to offer any advice? Now, the reason that she's been told €1,200, that's to apply for citizenship. And if she applied for citizenship, absolutely, she would get citizenship. But citizenship does not come cheap. But she would get citizenship because she's been living in this country uh, for so long and she's got Irish children. And so, yeah, there would be, there would be no problem there. I didn't... Re- and, and if she was still married she would be entitled to an Irish passport to her husband. I didn't realise once you divorce, you're then not entitled uh, to it. So what she, what, what the advice I think she's been given, particularly when, when I, because when I saw the cost, the amount of €1,200, I was thinking, oh, what's that about? But when I've just done a quick Google search of how much it costs to become an Irish citizen, the process is not cheap and it works out at about €1,200. So that's the advice that she's been given. Now, I don't know if there's any other way around it. What I would say to you, either you do do it on behalf of your mother or get your mother to do it, if she contacts the Citizens Information Centre, I mean, just going on the Citizens Information Centre website today, lots and lots of information as to who can become an Irish citizen. And they go down through, you know, all various different uh, permutations like an American citizen, but whose mother was born in uh, Galway, because I don't know your mother's background. You, She would be entitled to Irish citizenship if either of her parents or grandparents were Irish but that still doesn't take away from that just grants her citizenship she then has to apply for it so that 1,200 it would, would still come into it anyway if she wants to ring citizens information they may be they may know a way around it certainly from just while the news was on there doing a quick Google search I can't see a way around it unfortunately but as I say I was unaware that when if you get divorced you then can't 
your, your, your automatic right to the passport goes with the, the, the divorce. That was something new to me. Anyway, the Citizen Information, they have a telephone number that you can ring Monday to Friday from 9am to 8pm uh, and it's 0761 074000 so 0761 074000 to 9am and 8pm you can also visit I don't know where the texter is texting from there may be a local citizens information centre in your town or a town near you or if you want to go onto their website as well you get further information there citizensinformation.ie but we call it out uh, to see has that happened to anybody else somebody continuously living here in Ireland since 1964 so over 50 years mar- was married but has a not had an Irish children worked in uh, the Irish health system so they would therefore would have paid all of her taxes PRSI stamps whatever it was would have paid all of that into the Irish system then did her bit for the state by becoming a foster parent for over 20 years. And now, lo and behold, when she goes to apply for an Irish passport, she's told, no, she can't. She'd have to go and apply for citizenship, which is costly. I don't know if there's any cheap way around going for citizenship. Isn't citizenship? And when you see all the people who apply for Irish citizenship, I didn't realise that they came with such a hefty fee. I thought there would be a fee. I thought, you know, a couple of hundred euro. I thought maybe to fill in the forms and get it processed. I don't know why they charge as much as they do, but they do. Any other way around it? Anybody got advice for this listener, this listener's mom? If you do, can you contact us, please? You can give John Paul a call, 1850 333103. If you want to text our uh, WhatsApp, 086 2103103. Now, John Paul tells me this is following on from our interview about the plastic factory in Skibbereen and the people who are, who are against us. We spoke with Brendan McCarthy. We did contact the plastics company uh, Dailies in Skibbereen a few weeks ago when the Greek group were seeking a judicial review. They declined the opportunity to be interviewed at the time but there was uh, their statement that they, the company issued um, this was the statement that they issued just to remind listeners the company Dailies it's part of an American company called RPT and they say this is the I'm assuming this isn't an update I haven't pre-read this now but I'm assuming this is the statement from a few weeks ago they say we welcome the decision of Cork County Council to grant planning permission for our project in Skibbereen which gave due consideration to the observations received from local residents we also welcome the decision of a board planola to affirm Cork County Council's original determination to grant planning permission. We look forward to expanding our service to both Irish and European medical device manufacturers and others with our high-end speciality products once the manufacturing facility is complete in accordance with planning permission. Okay, that's the, I, I thought there was an update. That's, that's the statement, the original statement about them welcoming the, uh, the planning. But I, I suppose the argument that and Brendan McCarthy touched on it when I spoke to him before 11 and the, the Save our Skibbereen, the, the SOS group, what they were most, I think, upset about at the time when on board Planola upheld the planning permission from Cork County Council, the inspector with on board Planola recommended that on board Planola 
didn't uphold the planning permission, the inspector who would have done all the work and come out and assess the area and spoke to the local people. The inspector wasn't in favour of this project going ahead, but on board Planola decided to go against the recommendation of the inspector and grant the permission. So we are where we are now, which is at a judicial view, a judicial review from the High Court. Now, if we get anything from the company, our TP with their reaction to the news of a judicial review, even though I have a funny feeling we won't hear anything until after that judicial review, which will happen in about six weeks time. But if we get anything in the meantime, we will bring it uh, to you. And Little in Mallow with somebody on saying, could you find out why Little in Mallow is closed? Little in Mallow remains closed today and will be closed and was closed yesterday evening. We contacted the Little main phone number, which brings you through to their customer service department, but it doesn't bring you directly through to the store in Mallow. They say that the Mallow store is closed due to technical difficulties. John Paul asked them to expand on what were the difficulties, but they said they were just told it's technical difficulties. And we have now contacted the Little press office and are awaiting a reply. Don't know if anybody locally working in the store can tell us what are the technical difficulties, but the little store in Mallow closed to yesterday evening at some stage and it remains closed today. I don't know how long it's going to remain closed with those technical difficulties. 1850 John Paul takes your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 C103 Jobs. General operative is required for ingredient solutions in Boerbury. Please note that job comes with an immediate start. An experienced block layer is wanted in the new market area. Again, immediate start. While Barry's Cash and Carry in Mallow, they've got a vacancy for a full-time um, lorry driver. It's an Arctic lorry driver. An Ard Fallon Motor Care on the Kinsale Road. They're looking for an experienced motor vehicle technician. For any of those uh, jobs, we direct you, please, for those jobs and more job opportunities by going online. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, victims of domestic violence, trafficking and sexual assault still have no idea when a special unit will be up and running in West Cork. The issue for for the need of such a facility was raised in the Dáil this week by West Cork Dáil Deputy Margaret Murphy O'Mahony, who joins me. Good morning to you, Margaret. Good morning, Patricia. Um, And you're welcome to the programme. Now, this unit would be away from a Garda station. Just outline why it's so badly needed. That's correct, Patricia. Just to give you a bit of background, under the Department of Justice Modernisation and Renewal Programme, their plans for 2016 to 21 protective service units are being set up. So protective uh, service units are intended to provide a consistent, dedicated and professional service to victims of specialised crime, including domestic abuse, trafficking, child abuse and sexual crimes. So it really is a facility where people, uh, now mostly women and children, but there are men involved as well. So where they can speak to a member of the Gardaí about the abuse they have suffered without the need to go into the Garda station. So it would be less obvious, more pleasant, particularly for children, uh, a discreet, comfortable, non-threatening environment. 
And Patricia, domestic abuse is really, really common, unfortunately, in West Cork. Um, again, it affects men, but it predominantly is women. 95% would be uh, women. Women. Women and and in and in a lot of cases, those women have children. Exactly, exactly. And I've had women in my office who literally cannot lift their heads and look you or me in the eye. And it's just, I am just so cross at this stage. This is going on so so long. And are the there units? Plan. Are are there these specialised units in other parts of the country? Yes. So uh. there are two in Dublin one in Loud and one in Cork City and all working very well. And the one for West Cork, a business plan was passed in the summer of 2017. After that, I kept bringing it up to Minister Flanagan. He promised me faithfully that it would be up and running by the end of 17, then 18. And now there's a month gone nearly in 19. And it just makes me really, really cross. Now, he told me two days ago that I would have a date for the opening of it in 48 hours, which is nearly gone. It'll be gone in an hour and I have not heard anything. And yet. at the moment, Margaret, what happens if a person wants to report a case of, of domestic violence or, or sexual assault? Is it inside in the Garda station that they do it? Yes, yes. Yeah. That can be, it can be very station. intimidating and frightening. It can be, it can be. And, you know, we must remember that these people are really, really vulnerable and to go into a Garda station is a big deal. Now, if they call a guard to the house, that guard is the person who then investigates it. And we must remember that these guards may not have any training in this sector. So with the Protective Services Unit, the guards are, are like specifically trained for this. Yeah. So, and all it takes is for the minister to give money for a premises. The guards in Bandon are trained, so they're ready to roll, but they just haven't. So it's premises. just a premises. I mean, it's, it's it wouldn't be isn't a huge sum of money no, we're talking about. No, yeah. no, and I mean, money doesn't solve everything, but it will solve this, and this will cover all of West Cork and even into North Cork. You know, so it is. It is very important, and. the women of West Cork deserve to have this on their doorstep and I just I'm really really cross that I'm being fobbed off for the, this is the fourth time that the minister I, has I spoke off. recently to Marie Mulholland a lady I take oh, it you know very well from yes. the West Cork Women Against uh, Violence Project greatly. and we, we spoke about the need for a safe house when, when a, and again it's mainly women uh, when yes. a woman is escaping domestic violence sometimes with children in, in hand yes. it's shocking that there is nowhere for that woman to go in West Cork there's no safe nope. house available there is no safe house available. And I'm hoping that if the protective services unit got up and going, that this would be nearly an automatic thing to happen after because the need for it would be would be highlighted. And it's just, uh, it just beggars belief. Now, the minister is travelling to West Cork over the next couple of months and I have yeah. asked him to meet the West Cork Women Against Violence. Great. He, he did not give me a commitment. But by God... I'm going to make sure he will. Yeah, yeah. You know, he might just see first. Well, they're at the cold face. They're dealing they with are. it, uh, sadly, day, day in, uh, day out. Yeah. Um, and they do fantastic they work. Do. I, I attend their AGMs um, 
the last three years I've attended and it's just fantastic the work they do they really are unsung heroes you know Okay just stay with me for a moment because an issue we've spoken about uh, earlier today and a lot of people are are annoyed about this it's the overspend in the National Children's Hospital and the fact now we're hearing an external review is going to cost 450,000 euro just to do the review I saw you tweet about it yesterday it's going to be the most expensive of paediatric facility in the world. Have you any world. understanding of the overrun? Oh, Patricia, this is just, again, such an annoying thing. And like, if it wasn't so serious, this would be funny. So two years ago, we started with a figure of 650 million. It has now gone to 1.7 billion. And the review to see what happened is costing 450,000. Like, you just... You couldn't make it up. Make it up. And, you know, what's very worrying as well, because of the overspent here, there will be other projects that will suffer, many of them in Cork. So this, you know, it has a huge snowballing effect here. And then to add insult, um, no person from the Department of Expenditure and Reform came before us yesterday in the Rockless Health Committee. To be fair, members of the Department of Health and the HSE came. Um, Now, I must say their answers weren't great, but at least they showed up. And as I said in my tweet, yesterday was like really a staging of Hamlet without the prince, because we really did need someone from the Department of Expenditure and Reform to be present, but they refused. So a very, very serious matter. And Do you believe heads heads should roll over this? Well, I believe there definitely should be more accountability. Uh, I'm I'm not a person really to seek heads or seek revenge, but we really do need to get a clearer picture of what where this all went wrong and who who's watching over it. Like we all watch Dermot Bannon's program there, and if he comes up with fancy ideas, he is a quant- quantity surveyor. Stop. Yeah. Where were the so-called Quantity surveyors. Yeah, it, who was who know? was shouting stop? But yeah. I mean, even even you know, some will say, okay, we need this external review just purely to find out how we got to this figure. You know, almost on your calculation, a billion over what it was expected yeah. to cost. Now, yeah. you know, it, it seems like a lot of money to get to get to the bottom of it. But but let's get to the bottom of it. But then if Absolutely. we get to the, we get to the bottom of it. D- we need to learn. It's like we don't, we have, to, you know, somebody mentioned tribunals. Do we ever learn anything? We will wring our hands and moan and groan and sing. It's yes. shocking. But it'll, yeah. it'll just be left on a shelf somewhere. Yeah. And we just, yeah, I think, I suppose we have a great ability to kind of move on and, you know, get over things quickly. But this will take a lot of getting over because it's just shocking. And I know it, it is going to be, a beautiful hospital and everything, but how and our children and our children and our future children deserve that. Absolutely, and at the moment, there's a quarter of our population under sixteen, so that's a huge number, and they do deserve the best. There's no one taking from that. And when Leo Veratker is questioned about it in the doll, he keeps saying, "Oh, this is going to be great, and children deserve it," and there is no one denying that. But how come the cost? How come it was just you know, gotten so wrong. This this just wouldn't be acceptable anywhere else. And it's delays after delays after delays and we're now Absolutely. told the building should finish in 2022 and open to patients in 2023. 
yeah. Uh, I mean, these ch- these children will now be having their own children. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. just just before we let you go, because I know you've stepped out of the doll and I know that the pharmacy students were rallying outside the doll yes. in protest at the unpaid yes. uh, work placement. This is in their final year. Have you an yes. update on that? Yeah, so I've done a lot of work on this and it was great to uh, go out to meet them this morning. Uh, first of all, we had a meeting in Dawson Street and then they came over to uh, Doyle Air into protest. So yes, it it does look like now the statutory instrument which prevented them from being paid will be lifted so it will be up to the individual pharmacist. So the owner of the pharmacy has the choice whether to pay them or not. Up to this, he wasn't allowed to. This is the so students, it's, it's in their final, their fifth year. The final they year. do an internship. Exactly. It's an internship yes. of sorts, isn't it? Okay. Yes. So yes. They, they were doing it for nothing? They were- Absolutely nothing. Zero. Wow. I'm not sure how wow. they were supposed to live. So uh, now their fees is another thing that uh, I must try and tackle. Like to do their masters, it used to be three thousand. It has now jumped to eight thousand. So again, okay. and, uh, and we need pharmacists. We need absolutely. these are all the jobs that we need in yeah, this. Country. And we also we need, and we train them well, but we need to train them and hang on to them. We don't need to train them for the boat exactly. or the plane. All, all right, all right, exactly. Margaret. Listen, thank you for that, and thanks thank uh, for joining us on the on the program. That is West Cork Doll Deputy Margaret Murphy O'Mahony, eighteen fifty. 333103 on the person who contacted us about their mother who has been living in Ireland for over 50 years worked as a nurse married, had four children went on to become a foster parent here in Ireland but has has since divorced her husband has been travelling on an English passport because she didn't feel she needed to get an Irish passport but now with all the worry about Brexit has decided no I'll go and get my Irish passport now when she went to apply for it because she's divorced she thought because she had been married and had Irish children and worked here since 1964 she thought there wouldn't be any problem becoming an Irish citizen and getting her Irish passport but she's now been told no you're not an Irish citizen you're still a citizen of the United Kingdom. She can apply for citizenship, but it's going to cost her €1,200. And she was asking, the, or the son or daughter contacted us to say, could you get any advice from mum, please? Uh, Jay Murphy says, if that woman, lady, has a mother or a grandmother who was Irish, she is an Irish citizen. And getting a birth, all she needs to do is get a birth cert. And you can get that through the National Birth Certificate Centre. That's what we've done for a member of my family. So that's when you are applying for citizenship through birthright. But I don't, I, I mean, I mean, I'm assuming by all the detail that I received from that lady's child that she doesn't have a parent, that she's not applying for Irish citizenship through birth or descent. She thought that she became an Irish citizen because you become an Irish citizen through marriage or civil partnership. But what I didn't realise is you lose that Irish citizenship when you get divorced. I, I was unaware of that. So yeah, but you can apply for a passport if you had a, a parent or grandparent born in this country, but I don't think that's apl- applicable in this particular case. But thank you for your text. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 And Sergeant Tony Cronin based in Malagard, the station joins us in the studio uh, for this week's Guard the File. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning. And you are very welcome. Let's start mm. with help with the burglary that happened in 
Bosovans. Yes, uh, Patricia, it's uh, going back to the 16th of January, which was a uh, Wednesday, and it occurred between 3pm and 3.30pm in the Braygog area of Botovant, which is a um, rural area outside Botovant. So we would be appealing to anyone in the Botovant area, we'll say 3 to 3.30 is a time where young kids are being brought home from primary school out of country, you'll have plenty of pass- passing traffic. So would you have noticed any vehicle that shouldn't have been on this road parked up or people will say eyeing up a house or acting walking the road, acting, acting suspiciously, yeah. drawing, getting yeah. your attention? Um, we'd appeal to you that it was from 3 o'clock to 3.30pm on Wednesday the 16th of uh, January yeah, last. Yeah, small, a small window of, of yes. time. And it was yesterday week. Yesterday week. Yeah, uh, okay. Decent uh, weather. Um, it was dry. You know, there was no reason, we'll say, for people not to notice uh, people on the road. So uh, we, again, just like to ask you to think back. Did you notice any particular vehicle that was parked, we'll say, outside a, a particular property or nearby by a farmer's gate that shouldn't be there and people hanging around? Okay. If you did, would you please contact uh, the local guard station in Budfant or in Mallow or any local guard station, please, and give them whatever information you can. OK, that wasn't the only burglary. You also had one in Mallow and two in Middleton. Yes, on the, the 9th of January last, which was a Wednesday, we had a, a burglary in Goulds Hill uh, where a dwelling house was entered and uh, forcibly entered and uh, there was items taken, personal items taken from this house. Now, the time frame we're talking about is from possibly 4pm to... 5pm. So there's about an hour of a window here where people broke into a house, uh, took what they, what, what belongings they, they could take and uh, made their exit from the house. And again, daylight hours. Daylight hours. Mm. And it's a residential area here in Goulds Hill. So people would notice people walking up and down. It's a regular uh, event like any other, we'll say, estate um, area in the town that people would be walking with shopping, etc., coming home from school again. It's after school hours on the Wednesday. Um, children were just back to school two days, we'll say, when, when mm, this program happened. They would have gone back happened. on the Monday, yeah. Yep. yeah. So, again, we're talking about from 4pm to 5pm on Wednesday, the 9th of January last, in the Goulds Hill area. If you heard anything, your attention was drawn to any particular car or, or any individual, and you can describe anyone... At least it might help to eliminate these people or vehicles from our inquiries. OK, that's matter. Then there was two in Middleton. Yes, uh, Patricia, these uh, two burglaries um, are more recent in that we had one on the 19th of January, which was the Saturday into Sunday. This uh, happened overnight and it was um, uh, in the Elsinore Heights area of Middleton where a house was broken into and there was... Um, personal items taken in this um, burglary. Now, what we would be appealing for is uh, anyone who's, uh, we'll say, out playing it, evening time, etc., in the States, kicking football, having a chat with your neighbours, young lads, you might uh, see people who are acting suspicious and that, that are not local to you or known to you or known to you for whatever reason, mm. that you might be able to say, look, uh, there was such a person hanging around that house that... Uh, was vacant at the Hadn't time. Hadn't seen them before and not known in the area. Yes, and yeah. you might be able to give a description of the person, the age, etc., what okay. uh, items they were uh, wearing, of clothing, and if they had a vehicle with them or nearby. Again, it's the Elsinore Heights area of Middleton, and uh, this would be 
fine residential area, busy estate. You'd have lots of traffic in and out. So we would just appeal to the public that you may have heard something. You might have heard noise or uh, some bit of a disturbance and your attention might have been drawn to it and you might have thought maybe it was something falling or something and just uh, mightn't have taken too much notice. But you might remember something. It was last Saturday, the uh, 19th, in Middleton. Okay. Also, we have um, uh, another burglary which took place in um, uh, the Old Cock Road in Middleton, which is a busy area. And it was Sunday last, the 20th of January. And this happened in daylight hours again, between the hours of 1.30 and 8 p.m. So this house was unoccupied for six and a half hours. And uh, the owner comes back and will say the property was ransacked. Ah. So... Obviously, personal items were taken in this uh, burglary and we would be appealing to the public. Some of these items uh, may be offered for sale in the near future. And if there are items, obviously, uh, and they're offered at a knockdown price, you're not getting a receipt or warranty, etc. So we would ask you, if you hear of any property that's been sold on, you might contact your local guard station. And that would be in reference to any particular items because it could be tools from a, a burglary that was taken a month ago. It could be jewellery that was taken. It could be anything like that. So televisions. So please uh, contact your local Garda, Garda yeah. station if you know of anything don't, that has been offered for sale. I don't think you're just getting a bargain because exactly. it comes at somebody else's expense. Now you want to give thanks to members of the public for assistance with tracing stolen racing bicycles. Yes, uh, Patricia. We had... Um, a number of bikes, uh, racing bikes, that were stolen in a particular estate in Manor and Castle Park. And we're glad to say that we have uh, recovered the majority of these racing bikes Great. Uh, with the help of the residents of Castle Park and also other um, members of the public. And we would like to thank these uh, people for coming forward and assisting the Gardaí with their inquiries. And we will be endeavouring to, to find uh, the remaining bikes for the residents of this area. Okay, and sadly we're into the new year and break-ins into cars is looks like it's going to be the norm as it was for the last number of uh, years. You've had a number of areas where cars have been targeted. Yes, Patricia. Between the 7th, 8th and 9th of January uh, this year, we had 11 break-ins to, to cars in areas like Bantir, Kenturk, Mallow. And what we're saying is a lot of these cars are unlocked vehicles. They're outside uh, private houses and at night time, there are people going around checking estates just to see are their cars unlocked and see what they can take from them. Yeah. And also, we would like to point out that possibly burglaries um, could be um, uh, prevented if people possibly locked uh, their back door during daylight hours, etc. Because what we find is if the back door is open, uh, they have access to your kitchen and you might have your car keys up there, you might have your handbag on the kitchen table, you could be upstairs at the time and it would only take 20 seconds mm. so for people to get in. So if you're in, in your house, why not keep your Just get door into locked? The habit. Get in. Yeah, I go back to a friend of mine who had happened to, she got a ring at the doorbell, went out and was, you know, getting waylaid by somebody at the door who was looking for directions mm. and, the, and the usual. She didn't think any more of it until later that day she went to her bag to discover her wallet was gone and then she realised they'd come in the back door and they literally just, there was obviously an accomplice, literally the wallet was taken out of the bag and the bag was left so she didn't notice anything at the time. Yeah. It was only afterwards so you do have to be yeah. really, really careful. Uh, okay, and the, you're trying to return a bag of clothing that was found. Yes, we believe this uh, bag containing clothes was left at the bus stop by accident in Charleville. Now, it was on the 7th of January last 
and it occurred at approximately 7 p.m. So it could have been someone would say getting off the bus, heading in the Cork direction or heading in the Limerick direction. But what we're just trying to notify the public, if it was yours, that um, you can contact the Gardaí in Charleville and uh, they'll be happy to hand back to property. Uh, OK, to and you. this is somebody's bag that they were like going away, maybe a night away or a weekend away or something? Or was yes, it, yeah. it could have been, yeah. we'll say, uh, just, just personal clothing. Yeah, OK. You know. All right, let's see if we can get that back to the rightful owner. And that's with Charleville Garda Station. We leave it there. Tony, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. That's Sergeant Tony Conan, uh, who joins us from Mallow Garda Station. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Gorgeous photograph in this week's copy of the Irish Farmers Journal and it is out of Gagan in uh, just as that abandoned in West Cork. It's John, Anne and Barry Welch with a set of triplets. They were born on the farm. The farm is on Beechwood in Gagan as I'd abandoned the calves. One heifer and two bulls were born at 3am on the 20th of January to a second calver and they are the first ever triplets born on the farm and the Walsh family they milk 70 pedigree Holston cows and they've registered the calves and they've named them to mark the event of the triplets being born. The heifer has been named Cathy after her dam and the bulls this made me smile the bulls have been named Kevin Kevin Barry and Buzz Lightron Buzz Aldrin sorry uh, Buzz Lightron I was thinking of Buzz Aldrin and they were two famous men who also happened to be born on the 20th of January so obviously they went on Google and decided who was born on the 2nd of January what famous men were born on the 20th of January and they came up with Kevin Barry and uh, Buzz Aldrin so they, the two uh, male calves have been named Kevin Barry and Buzz Aldrin with the the heifer named as Cathy but it's a lovely lovely picture with the triplets I don't know how common it is for triplets to be born but certainly it was the first uh, born on that farm and thank you to somebody who contacted us earlier this morning with a word of warning please of a bad pothole on the Cork side of Billy's on the Bandon Road now the listener who contacted us this morning said that this pothole is so bad that already this morning by the time they contacted us three people had hit the potholes pothole and caused punctures. Three separate cars had to, be pu- had to pull in and change the wheel because of a puncture caused because of that pothole. That must be a very large pothole on the Cork side of Billy's on the Bandon Road in Bandon. Please keep a lookout for that. We were talking about rural crime with our Garda file for this week and asking for listeners for their help, please, if you could help with any of the crimes that we mentioned. But a scheme that we actually spoke about on this programme that was established was actually three years ago to combat rural crime by getting farmers to mark their property with unique identifiers has ceased. The reason for it? Lack of interest. Less than 100 people actually took part. It was theft stop. Now, I remember we did interviews on it. I don't know how many people would have remembered this. The Theft Stop initiative. Farmers were were assigned a unique number that was linked to an online database. The idea was that they were encouraged them to mark their unique number on their vehicles, on all of their, their equipment, take a photograph and then upload the photograph onto the database. Then if the property was stolen, an alert would be sent out to all of the members of the scheme in case they were offered that particular item for sale. But it's understood that the price of the scheme was off-putting for many farmers because they were asked to pay €75 for a stencil kit 
which they'd use obviously to put the unique number onto all of their items and they'd also get a gate sign which would say that they were part of the theft stop. Uh, so that was costing €75 Euro, and some farmers obviously thought that was too expensive. Now it was launched at the time by the Gardaí and the, the Irish Farmers Organisation. They were the ones that we interviewed about it at the time and, and it was done back three years ago in 2016 and at the time it was in response to a big rise in rural burglaries and rural thefts and, and I don't think any of those rural burglaries or rural th- thefts have decreased. We seem to be hear about, hearing about them almost on a weekly basis. And certainly the Minister for Justice, Charlie Flanagan, mustn't have been aware that this particular initiative wasn't that successful because only last month he mentioned theft stop and he says it was part of the government's response to rural crime. Nobody filled in the minister that, gee, actually that hasn't worked. Uh, anyway, this week the scheme was brought to an end and most of the website, it seems, has been shut down. Now, although a few thousand farmers signed up when there would have been a wave of publicity around the scheme starting uh, and several hundred people bought the stencil equipment and got marking with their unique number, but then it seems fewer than a 100 farmers actually uploaded the details of their equipment onto the website and the only way that this scheme was going to work was to get as many farmers as possible to upload photographs onto the website but only less than 100 did it when you when you think that there is 137,000 farm owners in this country. Now the IFA Crime Prevention Officer is Barry Carey. He's quoted in the Irish Times today as saying that they, the scheme has been abandoned they say now it's time to update rural crime prevention methods. They said they've moved on with the technology. Processes and farming moves on all the time. He said this is no different. And Theft Stop now is going to be replaced by a new scheme, which is known as property marking, which is operated by a not-for-profit company, which is based in County Tipperary. Unlike Theft Stop, it will be available to all members of the public, not just farmers. So I'm trying to see if we can find out more about this property marking uh, scheme. From what I can gather, the bit of information I have so far, it'll be up to local councils to, vi- to buy a special device which uses laser technology to mark items. Now, it can mark anything from a tractor for the farmers right down to your own uh, mobile phone. And the idea will be that you'll mark it with your air coat because the air coat we all have our own air coat, which is unique to our own property. The council will have to buy one of these laser technology devices. They'll then lend it out to communities for a few days. So, the you know, the idea would be your local GAA club, for example, would have the laser device and then residents can bring any of their valuables that they'll want at marked. Now, at the moment, Monaghan, Cavan and Sligo County Councils have each purchased one of these laser devices which cost four and a half thousand uh, euro. And the plan is that Donegal, Louth, Clare, Tipperary and Galway, they've each agreed to purchase it and they're going to follow suit. No sign of Cork doing it yet. As soon as Cork County Council jumps on this one, we'll be all over it and we'll, we'll let people know how it's going to operate. But disappointed to hear that the theft stop didn't uh, work. I mean, really, all they're doing with this property marking, they're just changing the way the property is being marked. But I mean, if the theft stop didn't work, I don't know if the property, if this new scheme is going to work, but it is being operated by a not, not-for-profit uh, company. We will keep a close eye and if we get more on that story, we certainly will bring it uh, to you. Back to the... 
hospital and the cost of the hospital and the overrun of the children's hospital. Some of your comments in on that. On government contracts, says a texter, a complete build in a greenfield site outside of Dublin for €400,000 years ago was mentioned for the children's hospital. It was mentioned and then rejected. Fees of surveyors, etc., are a percentage of the building cost, not a flat fee structure. All reviews adds to the cost, especially when coming out of a recession. The more reviews, the better for these guys. Look at the new event centre in Cork. A proposal to extend, to modify or any such that needs a review. Well, it's all money for them as the material costs continue to rise regardless. And they could explain why. A review upon review upon review just adds further costs and certainly the costs for the children's hospital just building on a daily uh, basis. And to, oh, and this is um, this is response to a couple of people are responding to the texter who was who was looking for advice for their mother who has been living in Ireland since 1964, worked as a nurse, married, had four children, went on to be a foster parent, has divorced, has been using a British passport up to now, has decided with the worry of Brexit, as a lot of people in the United Kingdom are doing. I mean, one of the reasons anyone will tell you if you apply for a passport, there's a delay. So I think it's the Cork office has taken up with all of the Brexit ones. People in England who have parents or grandparents who were born in Ireland are all applying to get their Irish passport. They realise the value of the Irish passport but this lady decided with all the worry about Brexit better get myself an Irish passport only to discover because she's divorced she is not deemed an Irish citizen so she can apply for Irish citizenship obviously because she's been living here since 1964 and she's raised her family and all of that but to do that there's a cost it's €1,200 to get Irish citizenship which was something new we learned in the programme we didn't realise Irish citizenship came with such a price tag and lots of people were suggesting that she could get her Irish passport passport if she had Irish parents but it doesn't look like she does. She's trying to get her Irish passport based on the fact that she's been living here for over 50 years and she's raised her family here but it's just the fact she's divorced. She's not now entitled to that Irish passport. Uh, Tim says there is not much trouble becoming an Irish citizen if she wanted to play soccer or she was a rugby player how we needed her to put on the green jersey then there's no problem at all getting uh, citizenship but Tim also says go back to the last century when you were new just for memory's sake to the county sound and the second divorce referendum up until that point a husband could get a divorce if he was living abroad in a country which had divorce the domicile of the man got him recognition in Ireland for a divorce, got abroad, but there was no rights for the woman. Maybe official Ireland has not come to terms yet with divorce, says uh, Tim, who who obviously, yeah, and I'm just as surprised. I I didn't think that that rule was in place. I, I would have thought she would have been entitled to her passport. As I say, we've directed that family towards citizens' information to see if they can be of any uh, use. Uh, No particularly to get around the fees it's the fees cost of it seem to be very very expensive indeed 1200 euro seems like a lot of money for this uh, particular woman 1850 333103 John Paul taking your calls text or whatsapp 0862 
103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now there's no line dancing going on in Clondrohid this evening, but it will be back next Thursday, which is the 31st of January at half past seven. So get your dancing boots ready. Sensational Kids in Clonakilty in... Sensation Kids Charity based in Clonakilty. They're holding a free speech and language drop-in advice uh, clinic. It's on this evening between 6 and 7pm in the West Cork Technology Park. Ballinhasic Community Development Association holding a fundraising Kaylee in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic. That's on tomorrow night with music by Jerry McCarthy from 9.45pm and please note that teas will be served. And a family bingo will be on on Sunday at three o'clock in the afternoon in Bandon GAA Pavilion. It's a native St. Brogan's College Habitat for Humanity charity programme. And a free introduction to mindfulness. It's a six-week course. will start on Thursday the 7th of March at the Cork Arc Cancer Support House um, in Bantry. You need to book a place though, 027 538910275389127538910275 Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 now, a couple of things to catch up on while we have a little bit of time. A reminder to you that this Friday, the 15th annual C103 GAA Sport Star of the Year Awards will be taking place in the Rochester Park Hotel. I can't believe that that's been going for 15 years. It's always a terrific night out. But tomorrow Friday between 7 and 8 here on the radio on C103, we're inviting you to join Rory Burke live from the Rochester Park Hotel. He'll be chatting with some of the monthly award winners as they wait to see who will become the overall winner of the 2018 Sports Star of the Year and you get the opportunity sitting in your own home or in your car wherever you're listening to us uh, to sample the atmosphere for um, from the evenings. So that's tomorrow night between 7 and 8 and good luck to Rory Burke and actually our own John Paul uh, will be producing that programme uh, tomorrow night. That's the C103 GAA Sports Star of the Year Awards from the Rochestown Park Hotel live here on C103 from 7pm and can I wish the very best of luck to all of the monthly award winners. Each and every one of them were deserving of their wins throughout the year and I certainly would not like to be on the judging panel to try to work out who wins the overall prize and a date for you to mark in your diary if you're in the West Cork area it's a fortnight tonight on Thursday the 7th of February I'll be going along to the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen and I'll be the MC for the evening for a Women in Agriculture Forum. Now we one of these was run, the first one we did back in November, it's organised by the Skibbereen Abandoned Credit Union and what they do is they get a panel of speakers to come along, I introduced the various speakers and then the last time we ended up where we had a round table discussion where we spoke with some local women involved in farming in the West Cork uh, area who shared their own stories. Opportunity as well if uh, anyone sitting in the audience wants to ask a question but they have really really good panel of of speakers and they have three very good uh, speakers coming to the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen on Thursday the 7th of February. Uh, Fanula Colgan is with Mental Health Ireland and she talks about managing stress and five ways to well-being. Really really interesting talk and then Tom Curran will join us from 
Chagas talking about collaborative farming initiatives. And then Albert Wolf, who is a solicitor, he gives a fascinating talk about making a will and succession and planning and the legal issues on the farm. And it's one of those talks that you kind of come away with going, oh my God, I still need to make a will because whatever it is about wills, we seem to put them on the long finger don't we it's like it's something we don't want to talk about we don't want to do it and it is so important uh, to do it so that's happening on Thursday the 7th of February in the West Cork Hotel in uh, Skibbereen um, and looking forward to seeing we had a lovely turnout of now it is for women it is called women in agriculture but men came along as well and men are more than willing more than w- not w- well not willing, they might be willing but they're more than welcome to come along but some of the some of the women brought along their men folk uh, as well but it mainly is I have to say a night out for the women and well done once again I think it's you know it's fantastic on behalf of credit unions that they organise events like this free of charge doesn't doesn't cost you anything to attend but obviously to get the numbers and to work out how many people are going to be there uh, etc they do ask people to register in advance and you can register by going on to the Skibbereen and Bandon Credit Union website which is www.skibbereencu Skibbereen Credit Union skibbereencu.ie forward slash forum Thursday the 7th of February you're in and around the Skibbereen area we'll expect to get proceedings underway at about 8 o'clock on that night now in recent days We've had a number of calls from listeners inquiring about an update on Rebel. The dog who was rescued by the West Cork Animal Welfare Group earlier this month. So with no vet slot this week, we decided to stay on the doggy theme. And joining me once again from the West Cork Animal Welfare Group is uh, Tara Joyce. Um, Good afternoon to you. It's Tory Joyce, isn't it? My apologies. Good afternoon, Tory. Good, good afternoon, Patricia. Good. Thank you so much for having us on. Well, again. you're you're well you're welcome to the program. Remind listeners about Rebel, where she was found, and the condition she was found in, Tori. Yes, um, you had us on there a few weeks ago. I suppose just under three weeks, and um, I think the whole country, um, Rebel has caught their hearts. She was found in the in the Bandon area um, by a lady's dog at Christmas. And uh, we just got Christmas Day over, thinking things would calm down. And Rebel was found in a comatose position, curled in a ball, with the most horrific neck injuries I think we've ever seen. Um, it's actually quite high up on the neck near the ear. A lot of people will have seen the photographs. And um, we had them obviously covered on our Facebook page because they were very, very distressing. And I think it was distressing for the veterinary team, who I really want to thank at Backbridge. They were amazing. And um, she was immediately, we got the call, immediately brought to the vet and, um, and treated over the next weeks, really, to get this. Um, it was very badly infected. In fact, I was actually speaking to one of the veterinary team and she said she actually smelled like death. I, and and to, even the way you describe the mm. condition that she was found, mm. you know, curled up, uh, comatose. Yes. I, I'm assuming it must have been touch and go um, and you must have soul searched and the vets must have soul searched over the decision whether to put her to sleep. Um, well, it was. Um, it really was. I think if it had been maybe another few hours, she wouldn't have lasted. But no, her vital, I mean, her vital signs were there and we will always try. And they really got to work pretty quickly over the next week or two and uh, operations and Howard there and the team are incredible and they really do bring her back. And I just want to think that one of the veterinary team who cuddled her and told her not to die, 
Your line is, is fading. Sorry, sorry, Tori, your line is fading. So just hold it. Because when, when you're with us, you're very clear, but you're fading in and out. Oh, sorry. So, so sorry. The, the name of the veterinary team you're talking about is? It's, it's Saxbridge. Saxbridge. Okay. And one of the veterinary team was holding on to, Tor- to, to Rebel, willing her to live. Actually, um, the really, really, really w- brilliant news is that veterinary team member fell in love and has has adopted her. Oh, oh, so it's oh. a great ending. So we're we're absolutely delighted to, to bring that update to you all and to everybody who's this incredible amount of donations and help and um, from all over the world. This year we got people from all all we couldn't believe it. America, England. Everywhere asking how is she? How is she? And we put regular updates. Yeah, you've. I was following it on on your Facebook p- yes. page, and like I and I thought it was interesting. Some of the people who were donating, like myself, couldn't even look at the no. photographs no. because. And you were right to put the warning up because I I, I find it really difficult yes. to see and just so upsetting. And people were just like, "I'll just donate," but I don't I won't look at the photograph. But I just thought the kindness of people very much came to the surface with a story like this. Yeah, she's she's four plus, so she's a mature dog. Um, she's a mixed breed, so we have a bit of Labrador, a bit of Spaniel, probably a bit of Hound and a bit of everything else. She's she's smallish, beautiful little dog, the kindest, sweetest nature. Her wound was cleaned every day and she never reacted once. Uh, and that and must pain, have been, yeah. Yes, the pain she was in was incredible. God help her. God, any idea on how she got the injuries, Tori? Absolutely none. I mean, the veterinary team ruled out collar injuries. They ruled out rope. Um, it's it's quite straight and sharp. It's not um, jagged. It's not wire because you would see the punctures. So I suppose we will never, ever know. If only she could talk, we will never know the, the true story of how Rebel received these injuries. But she's a very lucky girl to be alive. And she will have to have another operation in about a month because she does have a couple of other issues. She'll have to be spayed, of course, but also she has uh, mammary tumours, mm. um, which means she's also been bred, um, and a rotten tooth. So Ugh. she'll have to go through a bit more, I'm afraid, which she'll have to actually have a mammary strip, which is quite a serious operation. But the team, they're amazing, and they'll, they've got her over the worst. But we do want her to recover before any more surgery, because it wouldn't be fair at this time. It's hard to believe that anyone could inflict Absolutely. that kind of cruelty Absolutely. on such a beautiful dog. Absolutely. The vets were even shocked. Absolutely shocked. And this is this is definitely a very serious cruelty case because this dog was left with this injury. Even if it happened accidentally, this dog has been left for a long time because it actually smelled so bad that it was it really was God very badly infected. And do you think then wherever it happened, she got away and then ended up in this garden, You did, which she, yes, she escaped? Well, the veterinary team named her rebel for this reason that she rebelled and, oh, well and, and got away. So I think it's a very it's because it, she's a female. It's it's probably a more unusual name for a female, but I can understand why she got that name because of her spirit and just amazing dog and loving. And she even got a big box of love from um, the Scooby Gang in 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 Cork and all their friends. And she's had presents, donations from from everywhere. So we're so thankful. And we're so grateful that we were able to help her. And without people's support, we couldn't help dogs like Rebel. And Tori, I mean, you would have seen not quite as bad as the as this abuse mm-hmm. case, but I mean, you would have seen dogs come in in, in awful conditions in, in the past. Yes. 
do they go on to recover and lead a normal and a happy life for, for the rest of their time? Do they rebuild trust with humans again? Yes, I mean, a lot of them are, are very trusting anyway, which I suppose means why humans can do this. They're so forgiving. On, on Dogs are incredibly resourceful and they really, they they do not bite the hand that feeds them. They're, they're, they're amazing. And we have, we had Pilgrim a year ago, this beautiful German shepherd, one of the worst mangy conditions we've ever seen. Um, and she's recovered and she's so trusting and loving. She actually remains as a permanent um fixture really at the rescue she's she's going to stay there because she's very old she's quite old now and her legs are giving way so she'll live her life out with in the house at the rescue as as one of their pets um but yes we have seen some terrible injuries in fact the other day we got in another little jack russell with an extremely bad break on his leg another sweet little dog had to be rebuilt yet again um i suppose the cuts are more obvious but this this was a very wide cut this wasn't just we've seen cuts puncture wounds, we've car injuries, we've seen a lot of things, but this this was shocking. Ah, okay, so to, so I, I just I love the idea that it's a happy good news story uh, for for Rebel, which is yes. which is terrific. Have you many dogs looking for a forever home, Tori? Yes, at any one time we would have between forty and fifty dogs um, here at West Cork Animal Welfare Group. We have everything from pups to very older dogs. We've got a, a very old gentleman at the moment. Unfortunately, um, we got a call. The owner had died several weeks before. We've got this lovely old dog, 12 years plus, Jamie. Um, he's set in his ways and he needs an, uh, probably a, an experienced home, but he was just another one last week we took into our care. In fact, Patricia, since the 1st of January, we have taken one dog a day into the care of the rescue. And they're all from West Cork, are they? All from West Cork. We really don't have to look outside West Cork for dogs. And we do have a waiting list as well. But the emergency cases, of course, do get priority. And dogs like Rebel will always be helped with people. And with people's support, we'll, we'll go on to do so. And happy to do so. And that elderly dog, Jamie, that you... St- yes. Jamie, I, I always think that's heartbreaking when you... Absolutely. You know, when an elderly person dies and, you know, yes. their best... You know, that, that was Jamie's best friend, that he's got the heartbreak of losing the man who'd yes. been looking after him so well. Uh, and then it, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? But, but yet he will slot in if you could get an experienced household because yes. it's a dog who's heartbroken as well. But he'll he's slot in for yes. however many years he's got left. Yes, and he's a beautiful, scruffy, sort of a collie cross terrier, short-legged legged dog. He, but he, he is older and a bit grumpy. And um, <laughs> and the rescue, you know, have supported his medication and everything if he, if he needs it. He actually, actually had a very bad kidney infection and, of course, things were going all wrong. So we actually had him removed. Um, Jane, our foster, took him immediately, just went and picked him up from the house and removed him immediately because he couldn't stay where he was. And being older, he's He's, he's doing so well in his foster home and he's coming on and on but he was extremely distressed and this this elderly gentleman adored his dog he absolutely loved him and it's heartbreaking to think that his last his last best friend is, is gone is, is yeah. gone uh, Dreadful. Yes. And, and, and unexpected. Yeah, and I saw a post that you put up on your Facebook page mm. last Sunday about hunting hounds running loose. Uh, I think it was the Kinsale side of, of the Rising yes. Sun. Is yes. is that an ongoing problem, abandoned dogs belonging to hunts? Yes, I think what happens is, Patricia, a lot of them get lost or peel off from the hunts. And you see, the trainers do not have these dogs under control. So on a daily basis, and over the weekends, of course, it, it doubles up. We're getting 
calls and messages about hounds running loose. And it's only going to be a matter of time before, um, and, and one of these dogs was actually killed, so it's only going to be a matter of time before this is going to cause an extremely serious accident. I mean, we're against hunting of any sort, and um, there are, I mean, people will say, well, this is tradition, this is this, but there are alternatives now. We're in the year 2019, and there's drag hunting with smaller groups of dogs. Um, to hunt animals with dogs, and to a friend of mine, they actually ran through her garden, and luckily she got her dogs in, but there have been instances where family pets have been attacked and killed. Yeah, a small so, dog. I mean, a, yes. a, a, a pack of hunting dogs who are hyped up to the nines heading out yes. doing what they love to do. They're not going to be into differentiate between a fox and a, a small dog no. or a small cat. No, a cat particularly, yes. I mean, and unless that animal can get out of the way. But my friend's dog actually um, had had a serious leg operation, a cruciate ligament, and she just had brought, carried him out to the toilet. And of course, her other little dog, who does look like a fox, she heard them coming. It was between 40 and 50 hounds running at her at speed. That is terrifying. And these dogs are all over the countryside. It's from, from I get reports from the other side, abandoned right up to Kinsale, and I'm sure the other rescue is the same. It continues around the country. And certainly, and, yeah, we, we will get calls in here during yes. the hunting season. Uh, again, it's normally after the weekend on a Monday to say, oh, the hunter left a, a hound behind. Will they yes. come back? But they don't seem to go back to collect their dogs. Yeah, I think some of them do. And uh, these dogs are kept very lean and mean as well. I'm not saying that all hunting people do that, but some of these dogs are very thin and people are very distressed at the state of them. Um, Honestly, Patrice, there are some still living feral in woods years later. We actually caught one that I think she was about two years. um, And we got someone to trap her. Now, she was fine and she got a great home and everything, but she needed a lot of rehabilitation. We've had several in that have had uh, horrific injuries. One with a very fractured hip, hit by a lorry, and luckily it was only a glance. Um, we still got her, uh, but none of these dogs are um, chipped or, or none of them are tagged, which we all have to do under the law. And do they not by law? I, I would have they thought. do have yeah, to, yes. Yeah. And I'm not saying all hunts don't do this. Yeah, it's some, ones, I know. Yes, and it's some that... Um, it's some that we pick up are in, um, and also these dogs are extremely nervous and not and not always suitable as pets. So we've have had some that have had to live their lives out at the rescue. I mean, we've had one or two, Harriet, Majesty. We've had a few, and um, Bia, Bia and Majesty, Bia and Harriet now have passed away, but they were great characters. But um, Bia particularly would not have been suitable for a, for a home. They're yeah. used to living in sheds in packs. They're um, not always socialised unless they've been brought up where there's children. They tend to be better then. But unfortunately, it's a massive problem all over the country. And these dogs will cause accidents. And some family or something, I could be driving, you could be driving anybody. And if a pack of hounds run out in front of us, our first, my first reaction would be to swerve. That's scary. It is really it is scary. terrifying. Yes. All right, people can uh, continue to monitor uh, what the great work you're doing by your Facebook page is probably the best place to send yes, them to, the Tori. Facebook page. Um, also, we hope to get Rebel once we start Skibbereen Market again. We've got a, a craft stall there and uh, we fundraise through that. So we hope to announce to bring Rebel there oh. and people can come and visit her. In, oh, that'd be terrific. It warms up a bit. Yeah, yes. uh, let, let, please let us know because we've had so many people. I think, I don't think yes. there's a day has gone by where 
we have to somebody bring to say any oh, update on Rebel. So so she's she's got a place in, in the hearts of so many people, certainly she across has. Cork City and County. Listen, listen you, you do amazing work. Um, continued good luck uh, with it. And it's sad that we were, all, we were always going to need groups like you. I'd love to see the day when you'd be able to join us and say, all cruelty in the world yeah. is finished and we can disband. But that's not going to happen. Tori, so thank you for that. Pleasure to have spoken to you. God bless. Thank God you bless. So bye bye. Uh, Tori, bye bye. Tori jo- Joyce there from the West Cork Animal Welfare Group with the very latest on the lovely uh, rebel. And well done to that veterinary team in um, Faxis Bridge. They, I do think they went above and, and beyond. And to everybody who donated, if you go onto their, onto their their Facebook page you'll see all of the people a lot of names I recognise the people I know I have to say so so well done uh, to people you can give a little or you can give a lot and it all goes uh, to help to cover the veterinary costs for Rebel and the ongoing work of the West Cork Animal Welfare uh, Group This is the Cork Today replay on C103 we were talking about set dancing and social dancing yesterday. I had a text in at the close of the programme yesterday and my apologies, I ran out of time and I didn't get to mention it so I'm glad to do it now to say that there are set dancing classes in the old school house and they started early in the new year. They're on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock for beginners and they're on Thursday nights which will be tonight at 8 o'clock for regulars. Whoever sent me in this text say, says that there, it's a perfect opportunity to get involved in the fun. Great exercise, uh, set dancing is, as well as being a good social outing where you're guaranteed to make lifelong friends. You're invited to come along and give it a go. And the old schoolhouse is just outside Bally Desmond and it's on tonight for regulars but it's on on Wednesday night for beginners. And as with a lot of those social dancing and with the set dancing, they're kind of one of the few events that you can go along to on your own. You know, the way people find it hard if they're trying to take up a hobby and they're trying to go somewhere and, oh, I wouldn't be able to do that on my own. Honest to God, go along to the set, set dancing classes. You'd have no problem at all making friends. And whoever sent in that text is right. You'll end up making lifelong friends. So the old schoolhouse just outside of Bally Desmond, Wednesday night for beginners and Thursday nights for regulars. Eight o'clock both nights. For C103 photos and more, follow us on Instagram at C103Cork. This Friday, the annual C103 GAA Sports Star of the Year Awards take place at the Rochestown Park Hotel. On Friday from 7 to 8, join me, Rory Burke, live from the Rochestown Park Hotel. I'll be chatting to some of the monthly award winners and sampling some of the atmosphere ahead of the announcement of the overall winner. The C103 GA Sports Star of the Year Awards with the Rochestown Park Hotel live on C103 from 7pm this Friday. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Looking forward to that programme with Rory uh, tomorrow night. The best of luck to everybody involved. Uh, Jim was on when we, I mentioned a pothole earlier. It was one in Bandon, wasn't it? Jim was on just to give a word of warning to people. He was travelling from Mallow to Cork on the main road and he rang to warn people of um, what he describes as a massive uh, pothole on the road just at the base of the hill near the slip road uh, slip road junction he said you literally can't avoid it because the slip road traffic is on the left side and the Malabon traffic is on the right you're taking the slip road you have to go onto the left hand side and you've no choice but to hit the pothole you really need to slow down uh, because you could do a lot of damage to your car I mean certainly the one we were hearing about in Bandon this morning the caller rang us and said that they had heard of three 
punctures on that one particular pothole this morning. A lot of potholes around. You do need to drive with extreme care. And someone was on to say, well done to Tory and everybody at the West Cork Animal Welfare Group for the great work that they are doing. And there was a thank you in from her former fur baby's Toffee. I'm assuming that's somebody that uh, Tory knows. Thank you for that. We've been talking about the price of diesel and the price of petrol. Tom says, Patricia, regarding the difference in fuel prices that was raised on your programme recently. Forget about comparing us with Dublin, as somebody had been doing. I drive from Mallow to Charleville every day. Diesel price leaving Mallow, 131.9 and then entering Charleville, 124.8. That means that if I buy the diesel in Mallow, I would end up paying 5.5% extra. I would have nearly three weeks per year free driving if I purchased the fuel in Charleville over purchasing it in uh, Mallow if that price stayed the same and the difference in the price stayed the same which I think is just it brings us back to what we are whenever we have the AA who always do the price comparison ones be Connor Faulkner or Barry Aldworth who's been joining us lately they always say make a note know how much your petrol or your diesel is in your local garage. Keep that figure in your head. And then when you're out and about driving, all of the four courts of the garage must clearly display how much their petrol and diesel is. Keep an eye. And if you see the fuel cheaper, that's what you need to do. You need to shop there. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.